I found that I reached this point in my career where I didn't have that burning goal to, to accomplish an, another gold medal or another world record. And, uh, that I started having these passions for these other elements of, of my life that I had kind of pushed aside to focus on, on training. We're going to go out on the field. We're going to score as many goals as we can. We're going to have fun. Oh, Becky, oh, well placed. Dana Vollmer's special relationship with the swimming pool started before she had even popped into consciousness. Uh, She was doing a swim workout when she went into labor with me. That origin story really set the tone for her childhood. Vollmer's swim coach mom was pretty unfazed by the idea of teaching classes at the time she was ready to give birth, and that seamlessness of sports role in the family life just continued. That's how she kept us busy. Um, That was part of her parenting, my parents, both of them, that uh, we did every sport under the sun. I did soccer, gymnastics, um, volleyball, like everything. And um, it was then up to us later on to kind of narrow down on what we really enjoyed doing. But it was all about just the love of movement and being physical. And we were always going on hikes and going to different lakes as families. And uh, so it was just very natural part of our, of my upbringing to be very active. We are kind of always on the go. So she grew up getting a taste of all kinds of sports and physical activity. But soon, you know, it started to focus in a bit more as many kids kind of get to that point where they realize what they actually want to be doing, what they like more and what plays to their developing strengths. Slowly, it narrowed down to swimming and basketball were my two favorites. And honestly, for the longest part, basketball was winning over swimming. I dreamed of being in the WNBA, and it was when I tore my ACL in eighth grade. And going into my freshman year of high school, I was predicted to make the varsity basketball team. And uh, so I was really upset that I tore my ACL but I was still able to train in the pool. And so I put two pool buoys in my legs and we would tape them so that I wouldn't move my knee. And I really trained my upper body. And with my ACL still torn, we put off surgery. I qualified for the Pan American Championships. And I felt like it was just this big push for me, like of really breaking through on the international stage of where I could go with my swimming. Torn ACL and all, Vollmer qualified for this major international tournament. Let me just say right here for some more context of where she was at this point, swimming-wise. Two years earlier, in 2000, at the age of 12 years old, Vollmer was the youngest competitor at the U.S. Olympic trials. This period of her life was a turning point, and she may not have really known that, had it not been for the most important mentor-like figures in her circle. I'm actually really thankful that our high school basketball coach, Lita Andrews, um, the town of Granbury, Texas, they've won like more champion high school basketball championships than anywhere in the country. And 
she actually sat down with me to talk about my potential in swimming versus kind of my potential in basketball. And I'm just really thankful that the basketball coach would have that conversation with me. And um, it really helped me kind of see and narrow down what I loved about the two sports. And uh, that was, that was the defining moment. And I started heavily pursuing swimming. Um, I was already really good at swimming, but uh, it was two years later that I qualified for my first Olympic team. At 16 years old, Vollmer headed to Athens for her first Olympics. And also, at 16 years old, she would win her first Olympic gold medal. Um, I had been going to public school up through eighth grade, and then it was actually because of tearing my ACL that we homeschooled me leading up to the 2004 Olympics. And really, that was because the best place to do physical therapy was an hour and a half away from where I lived. And uh, so my mom would drive me up to Dallas three times a week for that. And kind of the focused attention on my swimming those those two years and being able to travel, I qualified for the 2004 Olympic team. And like you said, got my first gold medal. We smashed an 18-year-old world record. And then I came home and had to go to public high school and figure out who I am and how I fit in with this new sense of, of fame. A new sense of fame as a high schooler. She understood the responsibilities and expectations now as a young Olympian. It was a privilege. But also, shouldering all of that, it started to take a toll. You know, people saw me as an example of, of what to do, how to overcome obstacles, and um, it plays into sometimes that, that challenge of just being a 16 year old kid who's, you know, trying to navigate life. And uh, as I was moving through my career, you know, I missed the 2008 Olympic team and I felt like it was because I was trying so badly to do what everybody expected me to do. I was such a people pleaser. And to then finally miss the team, I actually see it as a huge blessing that I got to change my approach and I started analyzing other people's expectations, my own definitions of hard work and focus and commitment, and then to move through and qualify for the 2012 Olympics, win three gold medals, uh, set two world records, and to then be asked, you know, my, the first question was like, can you repeat this at the next Olympics? And to realize that I was judging my self-worth off of my swimming career and what I was able to accomplish was proving that how I was training was good enough that, that I was doing things right. And, uh, to have that realization that, okay, I don't want to go about my life that way. And it was an eye opening experience to then look at what, what makes me happy, what defines me as a woman and how I want to live my life moving forward. And, uh, I honestly, I had decided to be done after 2012 and I, we, my husband and I decided to have our first child and, uh, it was when he was born when I was pregnant with him that I, I wanted to feel control of my body again. And I wanted to be a part of a team and all of these things came to the surface on why I love the sport. 
And it was so much more than medals and winning and competitions and hard work. It was, it was so much more about my passion of physical movement and the physics of how we move through the water and the team environment. And I felt like it was the healthiest I'd ever gone back to the sport. And, you know, I, I did put being a mom came first and wanting to nurse my son and manage training, but training came second. And it, it was kind of this, this balance of my health as a human being mentally and physically, and, and then wanting to fit in training as opposed to kind of do everything I possibly can to be the best athlete that I can be, that it was this new, really healthy approach. And, uh, to kind of have things fall in line even better than I thought that they would be that to go on to the 2016 Olympics and win the first gold medal by a mom. And I I found that I reached this point in my career where I didn't have that burning goal to, to accomplish another gold medal or another world record. And uh, that I started having these passions for these other elements of of my life that I had kind of pushed aside to focus on, on training and, you know, redeveloped my passion for architecture and for woodworking. And, you know, we decided to have another baby and, um, it was kind of this priority shift. And, uh, when these other elements started taking precedent over what I had been doing for my training and, eventually when that shift was, was big enough, you know, I started looking at what I wanted to pursue after I finished swimming and, uh, decided to retire. Um, it's still one of those, like at the time it was 2019, one year before the Olympics. And some of that self-talk of like, wow, how do you retire one year out? And to really have the confidence in, myself and knowledge of what makes me happy and, uh, you know, what I think really led me to the achievements that I did achieve was coming from that place of, of passion and love. And since that had started to fade and be redirected into something else, I knew that the, the timing was right for me to, to finally hang up my suit. After 20 years of representing Team USA, Volmer called it quits. And though her priorities had shifted and that love and passion that drove her to swim competitively had really died down, the decision to leave was not something she rushed. I took a lot of time. You know, I took time after 2012 thinking that I was done and came back to the sport with with this new drive and passion as a mom. And then decided to to leave again and have my second child, but I I didn't quite feel sure. So I trained kind of through the pregnancy and was really in this discovery mode. You know, I had taken a couple months away from the sport again when I was thinking I was done and then headed over to Denmark to train with Jeanette Odison. And she was another swimmer that that has a baby that was trying to make a comeback. And um to see if that's what I needed. Did I need more support as a mom? Because there weren't very many moms in swimming right now. And uh, so I went over, I trained with her and I had such a fun time, but I think it was more just being around another elite athlete who has kids. And uh, so then when I came back home and it was still about 
getting myself to be as dedicated as I know I needed to be in my training, that my heart just wasn't in it. I wasn't able to, to easily go to that place where I can work really hard and focus. My mind kept wanting to be on other things. Okay, now we've had moms on the podcast, but we've yet to have a mom who will go down in history as the first mom of any country in either summer or winter sports to win an Olympic gold medal. It's an incredible accomplishment, and I think it brings up this question of why exactly it is such an incredible accomplishment. Like, what happens to your body after pregnancy? What happens to your time And what larger attitudes, especially as a woman, are you forced to kind of work through whether you're coming back to sport or you're not? It was definitely one of those I felt like to compare men and women in terms of coming back after having a kid, that it is extremely different on what physically my body had to go through. And uh, not saying that, you know, it's not hard on, on both parents, obviously you're up super late and sleep deprivation. And there, you know, there's just, your attention is everywhere. There's so much that goes into it. Um, but in my physical body, being able to, being able to use that. And, you know, I've struggled even with saying like that it's a, a comeback, you know, that our bodies are amazing. And the way that I became in tune with my body as it was changing as I was pregnant. And then from being an athlete before and knowing how to work on stability in different ways and to, to use my body in a way that was helping my career in, in a new way. And it, I'm excited to see more moms now in sports and women realizing that it's not the end of our career. And that had to be a shift because it was often seen as, you know, you, you leave your sports behind and you go and you have kids and you have family and that's starting to change, but it is hard because our income is based on our athletic performance. So we're asking sponsors to stick by us um, through that period and that unknown on, on how our performance will be afterwards. Um, We're finding that, within the swimming system, it's just, it's challenging because there haven't been a lot of parents. Um, you know, I, I had to battle wanting, I had to travel with my kids. That's what I had to do as a mom to competitions and, you know, to, to be able to do both was, a, presented a lot of different challenges in that realm. And then even when I made the 2016 Olympics, we're asked to go to a month long camp and, you know, your families weren't allowed or, you know, I was told I could have two visits and my son was 17 months old. And I felt like part of my love and my passion in being able to train was the fact that I had created this schedule where I had both. I was the mom that I wanted to be for my son and fitting in training And then I make the Olympic team and all of a sudden that's supposed to shift to this sole focus on training. And I'm not allowed to see my family as much as I was. And uh, mentally that was really challenging. And so I I hope that as this shifts to really supporting moms in athletics, that, that 
the support system has to change. The, the way that we're setting up our national teams and travel camps and, you know, all of that is going to take a shift as well. This mom of two has now been officially retired for over a year. And she's really made her peace with the end of the competitive swimming chapter. You know, almost part of me feels bad that I, that I can say with confidence that I have not regretted my decision for a second. Um, but I, like I said, I took so much time in kind of making that decision uh, that I felt really good about it. And, you know, I, I too, I've always wondered with, with swimming, it's kind of, we've known for a long time that I'm not going to be able to be financially stable just off of my swimming. And even with seven Olympic gold medals, knowing that I was going to have to get a job afterwards and that that's part of the culture um, in setting yourself up past sport um, and what you're going to do post-sport and, um, you know, how many swimmers are go through college because we know that we have to. And, uh, you know, so that's part of the conversation all along is, you know, what you want to do after swimming. And so now we're starting to see swimmers that are swimming a lot longer past college, the national team's getting older. And so I think now we're starting to see that we really have to talk about that transition. So many people didn't swim post-college for the longest time because we couldn't financially support ourselves. And now they are. And so I think we're going to start to see a wave of swimmers when it it's going to be harder in that decision once once you retire what what do you do after that and how much of a conversation that needs to be while we're still swimming that it's not just you know put everything in your life on hold and and then all of a sudden you're left with this void of wow i just went from being the best in the world to to, to what, to trying to find an entry-level job or, or, you know, where, where do you navigate? And I feel very fortunate that we had a speaker on one of my trips that came in and, and talked about like as athletes to think about the amount of hours and the amount of time that I spent training to get to the level that I was. And that I can't necessarily just hop into a different career and not expect to do some of that hours of training and work to, to build up to that. And I felt like that really helped me in the transition of, of going from the best in the world to, to wanting to, to do that growth and that initial development and in what I'm going to pursue after sport. And the new field, she's now putting in those hours of training and work in order to build up to the next level. It's, you might've heard her mention it as an interest earlier architecture. Vollmer works at ELS Architecture, a firm based out of Berkeley, California. And uh, it was something that I have loved since I was a little girl. And um, doing floor plans with my dad, and, and we would always look at things and pick apart on, on how we would build them and spaces when I would walk in and some spaces where you just feel so calm and at peace. And Others, when you walk in and it's super chaotic and the same thing goes for natatoriums, like the places you walk in, you're like, holy cow, like I'm a better athlete just from being in this building. Like this, this pool is amazing. And 
wanting to kind of understand that and harness that. And, um, honestly in college I studied, I wanted, I wanted to go to medical school and then I shifted later in life to wanting to pursue architecture. And, uh, so I was actually looking at hospital design, but I was at the opening of UC Berkeley's new, new swim center, legends aquatic center. And, uh, I gathered my strength and I said, I am going to go introduce myself to the lead architect. And so I walked over and, you know, I said who I was and I was just starting my journey into architecture and I was actually looking at hospital design. And it was a couple months later that the president of the company called me into the office and we got to talk about what I want to do. And he had all these ideas on how I could help with natatorium design. And it was so funny to me that my brain hadn't even gone there. Like, I don't know if it was just too close to home that I was like, I know I have to do something away from swimming, like some other job, but that how much I know about the inner workings of elite level pools. And now with my kids, how often I'm going to fun water pools. And so I, they hired me, they offered me a job. So that was, um, a little before 2016 Olympics. And so it was nice going into my final Olympics, feeling like I had this new spark of what I get to do post swimming and how excited I was about it. And I definitely feel that having that position before I knew that I was going to be done and done with swimming and that the firm fully supported me being gone for months at a time when I was training or traveling to Denmark and these competitions. And, uh, I felt like I had a place, a place to go once swimming was, was done. This role right now has been a cool sweet spot for Vollmer. Her present does and her future is still going to look so different from her time as a competitive swimmer. But in this career, there's been this way to honor and celebrate those most formative swimming experiences from the first decades of her life. Because hanging up the suit never meant the identity of being an elite swimmer was going to go on and collect dust somewhere. And it's just been so fun to get to really use the current knowledge that I have of pools to go ahead and be helping with the design and programming and how these pools are operated. And while I'm currently taking classes and hopefully will be an architect one day and where before I just, you know, I had this image that, okay, if I want to go into architecture, I'm going to be done with swimming. Then I'm going to have like seven years of school. And, uh, you know, so it just seemed very daunting and to have this opportunity presented where I get to do both. It was really the, the best of both worlds coming together. So Volmer is a budding architect, an Olympian, a mom. We've touched on, on all those facets of her. Well, she's also a wife. A wife to a swimmer who actually swam back in college. Volmer went to Berkeley and her now husband went to Berkeley's rival school, Stanford. So he was a very good swimmer in his own right. Honestly, growing up, I always said that I would never marry a swimmer because it was just like too much swimming, like so much swimming talk. And I was like, nope, nope, I, I just need somebody in any other sport. Um, 
and how incredible it has been in having him understand the time commitment, the 4.30 alarms, the um, the hours, the balance, like he, he just fully understood and he got it. And, uh, we've always had a lot of fun with the rivalry and, uh, my, one of my proudest moments was when he came to my senior year NC2As and he wore a Cal shirt <laughs> and it was just one of those where I was like, Whoa, like this guy's serious about me. <laughs> if he's willing to do that. Yeah, we do talk about on the podcast, like the, the advantages and disadvantages to dating, being in a relationship with an athlete. And you definitely, yeah, like you, you really emphasize the, the amazing things that can come from it when it doesn't get too intense. Yeah. And I mean, I'll admit at the beginning of our relationship, some of our biggest heated fighting was over swimming, which we laugh at now, but it was like, because he was also an elite athlete, he had a way of training and his mindset that worked for him. And then he marries me and, you know, I had made it to the Olympics and won gold medals. And, and I had a way that I felt like you approach the sport and training and they were very different. And so it was, it was actually neat to kind of have that be our learning platform on, on how to kind of accept each other's different way of being in the sport. And, uh, now I'm thankful. Like, I think that set us up well for kind of healthy debates of different opinions. Her and her husband, Andy, have two boys. And I just, I had to ask, and I think this conversation, she dropped some interesting nuggets that kind of related to this larger theme of finding confidence in herself and learning how to trust herself. But <laughs> circling back context, I had a really, really early episode in Run Along's beginning. It was my first water-oriented guest, former water polo player, former Navy SEAL, Kaj Larson. And he was talking about when he was developing his relationship with the water, he learned how to swim because his parents just, like, threw him into the water as an infant. Like, it's this technique. I think it's a Russian technique. Someone will have to fact-check me. But the whole idea is, like, a baby, if you just throw it into the water, it's not going to drown because survival instincts kick in. Maybe you're thinking this sounds a little out there, but I swear I'm not making it up. You can go look this up on YouTube. And so, kind of as a lighter part of our interview, I thought, okay, two competitive swimmer parents trying to introduce their kids to the water, you know, was this the approach that they took. I had planned a water birth for my first child. Uh, it didn't end up happening that way, but it was one of those where, you know, I was like, oh, I'm an athlete. Like I know pain. I, I know how to handle my body. I have confidence in my body's ability. Like I'm going to do a home water birth. Cause that's totally my element. And, uh, it was, it was just so different than anything I've ever asked my body to do. And uh, luckily I wasn't, you know, just like set in stone that it was a, let's see what my body needs. And uh, my body needed to go to the hospital. <laughs> and so that's, that's the route that it ended up being. Um, but yeah, it was, it's been neat to just really have this trust of my body of what it can do that. And that that came from sports. No water birth, no Russian baby swimming technique. 
not even going into labor while doing a swim workout. But her three-year-old and five-year-old have still developed a great relationship with the water where they're comfortable. And obviously, they are very, very competitive in the way kids need to make a game out of everything, especially with siblings. Getting the chance to referee random races to see who touches the doorknob first, taking classes, immersing herself in her woodworking hobby. These are just a few of the joys of her retired athlete life, free from the all-consuming grind of training, competition, rest, repeat. And a really interesting moment for me was I was so used to, like, for 10 years, our coach would give me a two-week calendar with all the practices, um, what's expected, you know, and we, we laid out every two weeks. Then we would lay out, you know, the next six months of competitions, and then it's an Olympic cycle. So every four years, I had planned out on what competitions, when I would be in heavy training, when I would step back a little, when I wanted to be focused more on high-end racing, and then to retire... And I remember that next year getting, so it must've been the beginning of 2020 uh, as I retired fall of 2019 and getting my 2020 calendar and kind of just looking at it. I'm like, I can't plan four years in advance. I can't plan the next six months. And on one hand for that to be super freeing. And on the other, it's a little bit scary that like my life had been so scheduled out for so long that now I got to schedule it. And it was crazy how fast I wanted to fill it because that's what I'm used to. I'm used to everything being scheduled. And it took a while to ease off and allow myself to have some free time and time to really, again, pursue what I want to. Like I've just, I've just recently picked up the woodworking again and, you know, reorganizing different things and hiking and doing yoga right out here. I do yoga. And, uh, it's just that giving yourself that space to have these transition moments, because it's not just one where you transition from being an athlete to not an athlete. It's so many areas of your life that you're going to see these transitions and these ties to how you used to do things. And, when you finally break free of them and deciding new ways to set up your life. And even in relationships, like I'm sure your husband, you've been around more, (laughs) adjusting to that, whatever that might be. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm here in the mornings now. I'm not gone at training. I don't have an alarm that goes off at four 30. Um, you know, that's one of my happiest moments every day is getting to wake up with my two boys and, that is when they are smiling and they are snuggly and getting to snuggle with them and and make breakfast and talk about their dreams. And, uh, it was a really special time that, you know, that I had decided to pursue sports. And so I missed those moments. Um, I filled it with many others, but to get to cherish these little pieces, uh, that, that now I can put into my life that are really precious to me. And for all those listening that may be looking down the barrel of retirement and all its potential discomfort and uncertainty, Vollmer has this to say. The biggest advice, if possible, is to be patient with yourself. And if you know that that's approaching, like start to think about what your other interests are and not just 
oh, I was an athlete, so I should be a commentator. I should be a coach. I should be, but to, to really step back and try to think about what you have always loved doing, like what beside the sport are you passionate about? And uh, to look into all those avenues. The two P's, patience and preparation. Write that down, folks. I just wanted to say, I really think this is one of those cases where we can learn so much from the outlier that is an Olympian's life. Okay, being an Olympian is not relatable for most. But this is a big thing we can take from her experience, this experience that is like an extreme. She was training for an Olympic, she had a baby, had a marriage, and she was able to, as they say, chew gum and walk at the same time. While in sport, she still made the time to do that work, to take stock of her interests, and really probe her needs. Just something that I thought felt important from this discussion. And for those already on the other side, it is a transition period. Like we're, it's a completely different change in, in our lifestyles and what we're doing and what we're asking of our bodies and to be patient with yourself and that it's going to be a time of adjustment and, uh, you know, to continually keep searching on what makes you as passionate about some other avenue, some other job that is similar to that passion that you felt as an athlete, that it's not going from this super competitive athletic physical world into like, now I need to have a job that I feel like the people that are really successful outside of sports um, in, in any area are the ones that are able to tap into what they truly love and what excites them and what gives them all that giddy anticipation of, of starting the next day and being able to channel so much of what we've learned in sport into how we pursue our careers. It is okay to use the love, the passion, the desire to work you had towards sport as a healthy measuring stick and whatever you're going to do next. It's, it's more than okay. It is more than likely the way you're going to find fulfilling next chapters. We should peer into the experiences, the parts of our life that made us smile and feel challenged and gave us purpose. Put your eyeballs up to those times. Grab what you need, take it with you, and keep on moving. Thank you to Dana Vollmer for coming on to the podcast, and thank you for listening. Hope to see you next time.